0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. That's what I call it.
1: Yeah, that's what they say in uh, merry old England.
0: I knew you were going to say merry old England. Because... you think they would say... Yeah. <laughs> Happy
1: old England, right? <laughs> exactly. But the Mary are, the word merry sort of already has its place there, you know? Yeah,
0: I guess so. Maybe that's why they don't, they don't want to overexpose the word. Yeah, by saying "Merry Christmas."
1: Americans, on the other hand, never ever use the word "Merry" except for when it's followed by "Christmas."
0: That's true. That's uh, that seems off-putting to me. We're really why do we limit ourselves ourselves with that word? And anyway, you know,
1: Merry, Nancy, it's a little bit uh.
0: Mary rhymes with fairy. It's a little bit swishy that word. <laughs> <laughs> we don't use swishy enough either. Um. <laughs> so, uh, yeah did you have a did you have a good holiday? Good Christmas.
1: I had a lovely Christmas. I, I now have a DVD, or a uh, Blu-ray player. I now have a DVD player. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you can imagine. Launching so himself. So long, VHS.
0: <laughs> Launching himself into 1998.
1: No, yes, I now have a Blu-ray player. Finally. Very exciting.
0: Yeah, um, yeah and uh, I, Jen and I had a great Christmas. A special thanks. I know that they all listen to this, so a special thanks to Wade, Adam, and Jason for helping make our Christmas uh, uh, an absolute delight. So
1: that's a, that's a thanks from Tyler. Wade, Adam, and Jason did nothing for my Christmas.
0: Well, but about just how about just a thank you for you from you in general?
1: Yeah. Okay. Thanks for being great guys. They listen to the show. Yeah, I believe it. I believe Uh, you. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think you're lying.
0: But uh, (laughs) only one of them listens to the show. (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, we got some stuff to talk about at the top of the show. First, first and foremost, David. uh, I recently, Jen and I recently went and saw Morning Glory. Okay. Uh, which was a delightful little film. Um, I, I sometimes forget how much I enjoy Rachel McAdams as an actress, and Harrison Ford was doing some good stuff.
1: I forget how much I enjoy Rachel McAdams because she insists on not being in movies that I want to see.
0: Well, I guess there's that. <laughs> you just got to get over that, David. Um, but, uh, and then even uh, Diane Keaton was, uh, was really good in the film. And uh, there's also some nice work being done by uh, Matt Malloy. You know who Matt Malloy is? No. He was in, in The Company of Men. He was the one that wasn't Aaron Eckhart. Oh, okay. So he's, he's good in it anyway. Uh, that's not the issue. The issue is this, David. As you know, when people are talking in a movie theater, I will glare at them, and I will fume, and oddly enough, that doesn't stop them from talking. Uh-huh. Jen and I had been looking forward to seeing Morning Glory for a while. It was at this $3 theater obviously. over here. Obviously. And uh, I don't appreciate that tone. <laughs> it got very good reviews. <laughs> As it should have. It was a okay. sol- It w- w- turned out being a solid movie. All right, all right. Anyway, um, not all of us saw some French animated thing, um, which I'm sure I would have enjoyed, actually. Yeah, it was very good. So uh, so I'd been really wanting to see the film, and then when it showed up like at the $3 theater, it's like, oh, good, now we can see it. And uh, sure enough... There are, the, there are these two people that were talking. They seemed to be in a. It was a man and a woman. They seemed to be in a relationship. When I say seemed to be, here's why I say that because they're sitting. She was sitting a row behind him and five seats down. That didn't stop them from having some chats, though. Wait, what? She was sitting a row behind him, in and fi- then five seats to his left.
1: Were they, were they part of a big group? Or is no. this some sort of like weird fundamental thing where she has to like Were there
0: people? <laughs> there was a sheet between them. Is
1: that weird? Right. <laughs> I mean, were there pe- in those five seats? Were there people?
0: No. There were probably ten people in the theater total, and Why? none of them were near them. I have are no they idea. Why like that? I don't know. And then some. T- and then occasionally, and they would just talk. No, it wasn't constant, but it was enough that it was really distracting because they had to. There was no whispering to be had when you're five seats away from someone. Yeah, and there's like surround
1: sound a movie playing in surround exactly. sound. Exactly. And so I was just like, This is very frustrating. You had to work to get your point across.
0: <laughs> exactly. Even if it no matter how innocuous the point may be. So, um at one point she decided, Oh, I should move closer to the man I'm with. So she did not get in his row, but she moved a few seats down so that she could lean forward and the two of them could talk then. And um this is absurd. It is absurd. And so because the two of them were close together, I thought and they were but they were still talking loudly and I thought like this is this is really annoying me and I don't know the situation but whatever. So with heart pounding, I stood up, walked over and I was in I was in her aisle instead of his. And so I put my my hand on the seat between them and leaned in and uh all the absurdity of this le- and the, the ensuing conversation leads me to think that one, if not both of them, were on drugs. Okay. So I yeah. lean in and I go, and I, I whisper. I try to whisper very politely, but forcefully, David. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not going to whisper here because I want everyone to hear it. I have a mic in front of me. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I say. I'm on the edge of my seat here. We can all hear you. Please stop talking. <laughs> she responds as if I had spit in her face and she goes she goes ah oh, what she hadn't seen me walk up by the way so admittedly I'd be a little thrown if suddenly there was someone <laughs> right by me she goes oh, wh- hey 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 what are you doing i'm like um nothing i'm like i, I just it- it's you're being very loud and she's like fine fine just get out of my personal space just don't touch me i'm like oh, i didn't touch you and she's like, she's like, okay, sure, yeah, whatever. Just get, just get out of my personal space. I'm like, I was only, I apologize for being in your space. I was only in there so that I could whisper and you could hear me. And she's like, okay, fine, just don't touch me. I'm like, I have not touched you. Please don't talk. And she's like, yeah, sure, fine, <laughs> what whatever. What
1: is the guy doing during all this? Just sitting and looking.
0: He had nothing to say. <laughs> she was just really uppity. And uh, so, I fi- so I finally say, okay, I'm sorry, please don't talk. So there were, there was three times that I said it because uh-huh. I wanted to make sure like, just cause you're being crazy doesn't mean that I, my point goes away. <laughs> and so, uh, so then I finally like, thank you. And I walk away to their credit. They're quiet for the rest of the movie. Okay. Uh, they, they talked a little bit, but it was in, it was in whispers and, uh, and it was only like maybe two or three more times in the next hour. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so I was just like, so I sat down, and my big concern was like, when this movie's over, am I going to get stabbed? Like, is she just going to be like, don't touch me, sir. and i get <laughs> shivved in the ribs. But, uh, but no, none of that happened, partially because Jen and I booked it out of there. But, uh, but I wanted to, like, stay and wait in the lobby and see, because I couldn't really make out what they looked like. I wanted to see, who are these people? and uh, But it's like, ah, let's just leave. It's no problem. But uh, yeah, so my one of my, probably my first, uh, like my first or second time actually telling someone to please be quiet, it was met with the level of crazy I expected, um, uh-huh. that I've always expected, but it's still, the the point was still made. That's so funny, I've
1: never, I mean, I've told people to do quiet a number of times, and I've never, it's usually fairly well received, I guess,
0: compared to that, I mean. Yeah, yeah, compared to that. Yeah, that's and, funny. Once she said, "Don't touch me," I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like, is she gonna sue me and say that I touched her or something? I don't know what to do now. But um, but no, it was very, uh, it was exciting. I felt very uh, accomplished and right. adult. I
1: feel like to me, if I were in your shoes and I felt like I'm gonna get sued anyway, I'd have smacked her.
0: Oh, absolutely. Or <laughs> you put your finger real close to her face and say, "I'm not touching you. I'm not <laughs> touching you." So uh, so that's what happened. And then uh, it's it was just a very it was an interesting experience for me. So I wanted to bring that up at the top of the show Let everyone know I'm doing my part now Yeah so, And uh, you're
1: also doing your part by seeing a movie Going to see more movies
0: That's right, David I sure am um, In fact, uh, in the last several days I saw I, s- I went to see or I just watched um, I think like six or seven films And it was, ve- it was very exciting
1: Um so but what I'm what, saying is that you're taking your movie watching yeah. seriously.
0: Yes, I am. Okay, here's the deal. We got an email from a listener uh-huh. and he had some complaints uh about the show. He had one complaint. He had one complaint, and I want to say at the top of the show, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his, his name or anything, Obviously. um he did what I want people to do, which is if you have some beef with the show by all means, and it's something that that you think should be corrected. By all means, email us, and uh, you know, as opposed to just put it on iTunes where everyone can see and it doesn't but that's give us the point. That's why they put it on. iTunes. I understand so that, but like it doesn't. It doesn't, give us it doesn't
1: bother me actually.
0: I guess that, I mean, and I've you know I've I've done that sort of thing as well. I understand the the appeal of like yeah I'm going to do this and no one can respond, but um. Well, no, I mean the idea of leaving a review is.
1: Giving your opinion about the show so that other people can be more informed before
0: they listen to the show. And I feel like people should give everyone a second chance. <laughs> but that's that's just me. Anyway. So I don't care where you put your complaints. Right. But that's, but he did it the way... Tyler does. He did it the way I like it, which is engage in a dialogue. If it's something that you... If you like the show, but you feel like we should correct something right. or, or whatever, right. by all means, email us. So I, I much prefer that. And that's what this guy did. And, uh... But... It, and and it wasn't even really his complaint that bothered me. It was it was the a, as you said when I forwarded it on to you. It was the way he phrased it that upset me, and it led to
1: something about his tone. Yeah. Something about his tone <laughs> that I didn't like,
0: and it led to uh, something that you and I have talked about before, and but we haven't talked about in a while. And I wanted to kind of reiterate on the show. So I don't want I don't want to give his name. I don't even really want to go into a lot of specifics about his email. And then I'm gonna you know, uh, probably go into more detail when I email him back. Uh-huh. Um, but as of right now, uh, when I forwarded the, the, when I forwarded it on to you, uh, wh- well, I'll let you, cause I've been talking, I'll let you, uh, describe what, what was the email about in, in, in general?
1: Uh, the email was about the, uh, is hard to take us seriously as movie critics, book- critics, yeah. I guess is not my term, but, um, Because there's so much stuff we haven't seen that's apparent. Like, the thing that set him off was my admission that I hadn't seen Tree's Lounge. Yeah. Which, I must have missed the memo that Tree's Lounge had been inducted into the canon. Right. uh, I just want to, like, email the guy back and be like, oh, man, you have no idea what movies I haven't seen that I really should have seen by now. Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen Breathless. What do you think of that? Um, But, uh, and that was the thing, is thats that... is that he had a movie that, that he thought, well, if you if you are going to be taken seriously as film critics, if you want to have credibility as film critics, you should have seen this. Right. And the movie he picked was Trees Lounge, which I've seen and I love. But you and I have talked about how, in general, whether you be whether you be someone who listens to a podcast and or 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 you know a critic yourself, like once you start imposing a sort of litmus test. Uh On other people and say, I will only take you seriously if you've seen this. Right. I feel like a person should always be trying to see more. That I understand. But... And we are. And we are, exactly. We're not professional film critics. Exactly. We
1: don't get paid to do this, which means we have to get paid to do something, which means we have jobs. Yes. There's at least eight hours... Five days a week, yeah. that we can't watch movies. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we also both have uh, social lives. Yeah,
0: I have a wife. And you I, have, I have a, girlfriend. a girlfriend. That in itself takes up time, and in the best possible and, you way. You
1: know, being the kind of person who's able to, to, to land a wife or a girlfriend takes a lot of time. It really and does. Social like commitment. You know, we're not phoning I have this to go out in. To, you know, I can't be watch. I can't watch a movie at the same time I'm. You know, drinking at the bar.
0: Right, and so. And so it's one of those so things I have, where... I have a
1: social life. I could be a better film person if I continued to live like I used to live. Right. And spent every free hour that I could find in the dark watching movies.
0: Right. And that's and that's not to disparage people who do have that kind of time. No, it's not like I, we're saying, like, yeah, I have a life. Well, they have a life, or too. Or people who choose to, to...
1: No, I didn't mean to say... I, I think I said
0: I have a social right. life. Yeah, yeah. I it's, yeah,
1: I don't no judgment on people who spend all their free time watching movies. Exactly. That's what I used to be like, too. Yeah. But, uh...
0: And, and in many ways, I I wish... like
1: drinking in public as well as drinking at home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink, but I have, uh... I, I'm, I'm a part of a couple Bible studies. That's like drinking, I think. <laughs> right. But, uh, it's... Drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh, it's Jesus' blood, David. Right. Um, the... Yeah, the thing that... that that bothers me is just is realizing like what a person uh, is trying to take into account what a person, I don't know, the kind of time they have, the opportunities they have, and like I said, the attitude. There are plenty of people, and I wrote a blog about this, you know, when we got out of film school... By the our, way, we went to film school. We have degrees. Right. Not that that necessarily means anything. There's plenty of people that, uh, whose opinion wasn't worth anything to me that went to the same school we did. Right. But... But we have... Yeah, we put like, the time in. We
1: have a qualification to talk about film, like a yeah. literal one. That, yeah. Like if it's there's a, if there's a litmus test, we should pass it because we have degrees in film.
0: However, in the defense of, of this guy and and other people who, it's it's shocking how much film degree does not qualify you in the minds of most people to talk film, whereas a degree in almost anything else would. But that's neither here nor there. Uh-huh. So, um, as I said in a blog once. When we graduated film school, our education was ostensibly over. The only people that could continue it was us, uh-huh. um, and so we have. So when you have a choice at that point, and there were times when it's just like, you know what, I just want to watch, you know, this crappy action movie or this, you know, crappy comedy. I just want to see that. I don't want to go back and fr- and watch freaking four hundred blows. Um, so your education is up to you. And if we were just, then it's like, I've been to film school, I get it. And then you weren't content. And then you, Mm -hmm. you were content to just watch lesser films or films that weren't challenging. Then I would say film school doesn't matter. And the concept of self-education was, has been lost on us. (laughs) Um, but I don't think that's what we were doing. I mean, as you know, um, J, a friend of the show Jason Eakin and various other uh, people for like the last year we've had a weekly movie night in which we finally get around to watching movies that we've been right. meaning to watch for a long and time I have not been a part of this you haven't been a part of it how many
1: times have you guys screened uh, Tree's Lounge in your weekly movie nights
0: you're not going to like this answer seven
1: okay I should, I should probably Cause do we, want it
0: to, we want because we want to get it covered <laughs> you know you didn't get a chance to see it last week tell you what next week <laughs> so um, uh, this week we'll be watching Barfly but, uh, so that's... I've seen that one. I know, exactly. And, and that, I've, I've loved Tree's Lounge. I think as far as movies about alcoholism, it's probably one of the better ones, especially because it's very, it's not sensationalistic at all. And so, it's yeah, very I, good. I just,
1: I, I also, I don't like the implication that I've only seen, I don't know, that I've only seen, like, the basics or something. I'm sure. Right. I, I'm sure I could go toe-to-toe with this, with, uh uh this guy, and i still I still like his complaint, but i'm saying there's so much stuff i've seen that is i don 't talk about it on the show because it's obscure, and not only have you not seen it, yeah. but most of the listeners haven 't seen it i'm not gonna talk about assisted living, I'm not gonna talk about the man who copied i'm yeah. not gonna talk about these movies because uh the, no one's really seen them exactly we like they're they're both neither one of those while both being okay movies are great enough to... yeah, there are movies that,
0: that we've all s- that not we all have movies that we've seen that we truly love and recommend everybody see, ha, ha, everybody see it because we think, you know, I think you'll benefit from seeing the documentary Searching for the wrong Eye Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, I think you would benefit from seeing the film The Molly Maguires and the original Taking of Pelham 123 and The Spy Who Came In from the Cold. Like, these are all great movies that I love you know but and and even if it was a movie like Chinatown which i think everyone should absolutely see and if someone says i haven't seen it maybe my my opinion does go down of them but at the same time that i assume that there are movies that that person has seen that i haven't i mean there are uh-huh. plenty of people that have seen way more as we all know way more foreign films than i have but i'd say by and large i've seen more silent films than most people so it's it's you know chances are if we or someone or a friend or whatever hasn't seen a movie that you think is incredibly necessary, and I'm not speaking just to the guy, I'm speaking to everybody right. in general, chances are it's because they're spending time seeing something else, you know. And so, assuming they're film fans, yeah. Assuming they're film fans, yeah. So let's all come together and share our experiences and rest sh- and and and, conf- and just uh, everyone can take comfort in the fact that we'll get to it, you mm-hmm. know. And yep. admittedly, I, there are times when I do... I mean, this is not an unusual thing for, for film fans. You feel kind of guilty. You get kind of shifty-eyed when someone brings up... Like, I, you know, I, I haven't seen Seven Samurai. And when people start talking about it, I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to make me look bad in a minute. <laughs> but... Like, you've uh, seen,
1: you know, Rashomon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, And I saw... And as a function of these movie nights, I saw my second... Uh, my second Kurosawa film, which was Throne of Blood, which I loved, and I put Seven Samurai on the list of movies to see because I want to see it. So, uh, so that's the thing: is it, I, not to toot our own horn, but I don't think at any point we have displayed the, I won't say contentment, the complacency that would earn us a uh, a slap on the wrist for for uh, not seeing enough movies or whatever. Right. So, it's one thing to not see it, it's another it's another thing to not be interested at all. Right. So, anyway, that was all. Okay. And hopefully and hopefully uh to the to the listener who sent sent it in. Uh hopefully we spoke we spoke broad enough and hopefully we, we weren't uh making fun or anything like that. I feel like this speaks to something an instinct that I think a lot of film nerds, maybe nerds in general kind of kind of have. Right. So, including me.
1: I will make fun a little bit. Come on. David trees, will make fun a little bit. Tree's Lounge
0: is the one that set you off. <laughs> that astounds me. But at the same time, David, when, you know, it's it's been out a long time. I've seen it. I love it. You should have seen it by now. Okay. The email was from me. Ah, damn. So, um, but okay. uh, with well, an obvious alias.
1: Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Um, Let's see. It's Christmas. There's a movie called Die Hard that uh, takes place at Christmas. It's an action movie. Uh, Why did I not incorporate Bruce things? Willis, John McClane is an action hero. Okay. We're into it. We are into it.
0: Okay. So the, uh, this weird little. I, I like that your transitions have, re- or segues have really just turned into, like, just a train of thought <laughs> or just a stream of consciousness. Right. But, um, yeah, a, a listener had, uh, that same listener on the message boards that man, that guy is, we should send him a shirt or something yeah. because he's really <laughs> helped us out. But, uh, from his list, there was something called "Badass movies. Uh, uh-huh. and, uh, as you and I were recovering from the holidays, we hadn't had anything. We hadn't decided anything. So today we, have time. we didn't have time.
1: We've been opening presents for 72 hours now.
0: <laughs> exactly. You got that Blu-ray that you got that VHS. No, I'm sorry. um, <laughs> But, uh so, badass movies seemed like something that we could discuss easily without too much, frankly, too much research or thought. Um, but as I was making my, and admittedly, I was the one spearheading the badass movie discussion. The movie discussion that was badass. Uh-huh. But uh, as I was making my list, I realized that I was making a list of other things. Things that definitely could be considered badass. But more specifically... Are, I was making a list of action heroes, yeah, and so, so that 's what we 're going to do, yeah, so I wanted to move away from badass movies because I feel like that could be a discussion of movies themselves as opposed to the badasses in movies, right so yeah, action heroes that 's what we 're discussing today
1: yeah, so I feel like i 'm trying to make a distinction like we 're going to be talking about, say John McClane. yes, but a badass movie would be like what from dust till dawn yeah like, i'd say i 'd say that 's a good one, yeah, but that 's not really what we 're going yeah. to do so we, we, we used this guy's inspiration to yeah do a different topic.
0: Exactly. Spiral off into our, into our own thing. But we still, of course, uh, appreciate any topic suggestions uh, that a listener may have. Because it could cause some inspiration. So, um, now David, I feel like... Now, I, I realize that the topic was, was, was my idea, and I don't, so I don't want to just throw it to you immediately. But I feel like you enjoy action movies more than I do. Or at the very least, I think you have a deeper respect for them than I do. Not to imply that I don't, but... I
1: probably enjoy them more, but I don't know that I actually watch them any more than you do. Oh, okay.
0: That's probably true. <laughs> um, we, if, if you had to... I guess we'll just use this as a jumping off point. If you had to say, well, so-and-so is the best action hero, who would you say?
1: It's a two-way tie.
0: Two-way tie? Okay. Yeah. John McClane, yeah,
1: Lieutenant Ellen Ripley.
0: Oh, okay, that's those, interesting.
1: Those are the two best action heroes,
0: and that's and that's interesting because um, and w- well, let's uh, okay, let's delve deeper into that uh, because I think it's odd that you pick those two because I think the two share some traits, or at least I think so. Okay, well, uh, e- explain. Well, one thing that people really were amazed by with John McClane. Was how human he was. Uh-huh. Up until then, and we'll we'll get into this when I talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and Clint Eastwood and all these people. Um, action heroes, specifically male action heroes, up into up until that point, were seen as indestructible. You know, they might after a, after a melee, one might have like a cut across his muscly peck. Uh-huh. You know, right? And maybe and maybe like two trickles of blood coming down. Right. Meanwhile, he's surrounded by corpses. But uh John McClane, I mean by the end of that sh- that movie, he is beat up and he feels every yeah. every wound. He's
1: pulling glass out of his feet. His, his tank top has gone from being white to being black essentially.
0: Yeah. And so it's and it's just and it's a great performance by Bruce Willis to convey that he's just going to keep going. It actually makes him more of a badass that not to use that word but it makes him tougher that he still he lives in the world we do and and when he gets cut he bleeds but he's just going to keep going he's that tenacious uh-huh. and i think that's that's what people really responded to with that character
1: yeah he's up and he's also um he almost isn't a badass in yeah. some ways he's because he's not unaffected by what's going on around him. He's mm-hmm. not like a like a Schwarzenegger character who's taking control of the situation unblinkingly, slaughtering a hundred people and then making a wisecrack. Yeah, like uh, John McClane really. Uh, I think he'd be happy to have the police or the FBI help him if they were displaying any competence
0: yeah that's true that's the
1: reason he has to keep doing things himself is because everyone down on the ground except for reginald val johnson is a complete fuck up yeah uh but he'd he'd love to have the burden off his shoulders and just go be with his with his wife and get his shoes back on yeah
0: or just be part of the or just be part of a larger team he's not in it for glory or like look how awesome i am he's in it to just Uh to save people and get the you know and kill or not, maybe not even kill, but just dispose of the bad guys.
1: Yeah, and largely his wisecracking, you know, like uh, you know, come out to the coast, we'll have a few, have a few laughs. Yeah. Uh, is not the uh, Schwarzenegger brand of wisecracking. Right, of stick to show, around. Yeah, and no, it's not supposed to show how again unaffected he is. No. It's a coping mechanism.
0: That's the. That's absolutely the best way. <laughs> Although, I mean, to there describe are some
1: it. like. You know, next time you have the chance to kill somebody, do it. And he's like, "Kills me." He's like, "Good advice."
0: What's What's that from? That's a Die Hard. Yeah. What What scene though? I don't recall.
1: Uh, when he's um, uh, he's under the table, and the other guy's on top of the table, and he's like, "Oh yeah," you know, that's a good
0: sequence. I love that part. Yeah,
1: and then he throws. That's the body he throws out the window. Yeah, and says, "Welcome to the party, pal." <laughs> so yeah, he does crack a little bit.
0: Yeah, but but at the same time, it does come from his character. He is naturally a smartass, kind of sardonic. Yeah, yeah as as many as many cops are. I mean, really, you watch something like Law and Order; uh-huh. those cops say just as many wisecracks in the line of duty. Sure, because it, and I, I actually knew somebody. I I still know him. He's still alive. He's a paramedic, and he talks about like all the jokes that they make, even when faced with like people that are dead, and it's not because they don't feel for it, it's because they feel for for the person too much and they like, wouldn't be they're any coping. Yeah, they're coping. And so so yeah, I think he I think he is a very human action hero and thus one that's relatable and one of the and one of the best, I think. And it's for that reason that I think Ellen Ripley is 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 one is one of the better action heroes because she's really tough, I don't know, because she's a woman, you expect one of two things. Either she's going to be vulnerable the whole time, uh-huh. and whatever, and she'll, it's like, yeah, I'll use this gun, I guess, because I have to. Uh-huh. It's the only way I, so whatever, we'll figure it out. Or, she's just completely tough, like the character of Vasquez in uh, Aliens, sure. just totally tough and not at all feminine. As if, I'd say, this a lot of this is due to Sigourney Weaver's great performance as yeah, yeah, Ripley, absolutely. but the fact that she's both at the same time that she feels all of the all the violence that she's doing, and she's emotionally invested in it, and so you're like, oh my gosh, she doesn't enjoy this at all, but she still does it. She has to do it, and I think that makes her incredibly relatable and very human. It is still fascinating to me. Not because I didn't think she deserved it, but on the I, I'd say it's on the level of Johnny Depp being nominated for an Oscar for Pirates. Sigourney Weaver was nominated for an Oscar for Aliens. Yeah, which I think that and as much as I love Alien, I think Aliens is really what cemented Ellen Ripley's status as this amazing action hero. Um, and just an, an amazing character in general. I mean, when we did our top 100 characters, she placed in the top 10, uh-huh. and rightfully so. There's just a lot going on there, and with each with each movie added to the franchise, unlike John McClane, who then beca- started to take on, became less human became more of a superhero, Ripley became more mentally and emotionally involved in what was happening, and still became tougher, and so you actually, but you still you saw her having to force her emotions down uh, as as, as a response to what she's going through. Uh And it's just, uh, I feel like those two characters are kind of cut from the same cloth. Um, Although, as far as, I mean, as far as John McClane being very human, a lot of people said that about Indiana Jones, but I think McClane uh, kind of, pays off the promise that Indiana Jones made of a flawed imperfect action hero.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean Indiana Jones is he's human in the sense that he's like afraid of snakes and yeah. he and he jokes and he's kind of and he's uh when when he's not an action hero, he's actually kind of a nerd.
0: Yeah, that's what fascinates me. He's <laughs> got the glasses and everything. Yeah. Um and also he's making it up as he goes. He says it himself, and I think that's that's the appeal of of him, is that he was the... Sooner or later we were going to get to th- this guy. He was the anti-James Bond. Uh-huh. James Bond always seemed to have something figured out, and he, he would improvise, but you always got the impression that he was at least one step ahead of the villains, no matter how how much technology they had or how smart they were. He was always... There was never any question that he was going to win. And you know, you always know that Indiana Jones is going to win, but you know that he earns it more uh-huh. because it's harder for him. Um, now, I know that, and I guess, okay, we're on James Bond now. Uh-huh. You are not a James Bond fan. No. And it's been a while since we've discussed it. Is it? Has it? I feel like I talk about it all the time. <laughs> you talk about James Bond, and I talk about Sweeney Todd. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what... Is, I think it has been a while. It might even be in some episodes that are now lost. But you don't care for James Bond films, and I assume the character himself. Would you say that's correct? Right. Why is that?
1: Uh, maybe I needed to be alive at the time that James Bond was new to understand why he's supposed to be cool. Yeah, but he's just the most antiquated, square. <laughs> uh, not, not to mention you know, uh, womanizing in a way that is. Uh, the idea of uh, a guy being cool because he's a womanizer is, uh, generationally, that is must have that must be before me. I don't yeah. get it. Uh, he's 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 the exact for, and for the exact reasons you said. He's he's not human. Yeah. Uh, he's not. He's not interesting. It's. He's uh, you know, and I like a well dressed guy in film, but uh, the. The coolness of a guy being well dressed and then also being able to, you know, beat up and kill people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that. I get why that's cool. Yeah. I don't know that that's feature length cool. Like, yeah, uh, it gets old after a while. The 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 gadgetry, the uh, the obsession with gadgetry, yeah, um, has to do with a, a male mindset that is that is not uh, does not. Uh, pertain to me um
0: an almost uh home improvement uh <laughs> tim allen kind of mindset
1: yeah and and also just um an anti-humanistic mindset that ha- always bothers me about mm. you know uh, it's the reason that the you know transformer movies don't appeal to me i think we talked about this recently yeah that uh, i
0: think we talked the, about it uh with our when we talked about materialism right yeah um, and
1: yeah it's a movie about things you know it's the same yeah. reason i'm not into like uh the fast and the furious, really, because yeah. it's clear that the cars are more important than the people to me in that in, in those kind of movies and I get if that's what you're into, like yeah. it. But uh that's why I don't like James Bond because he's uh there's no humanity there and he's more about an obsession with uh yeah, material perfection or acquiring yeah. certain traits, clothes and gadgets in
0: order to be cool. Yeah, he's an interesting character. In that is he? in that <laughs> out of this, things about him are interesting um, because he is and some people again, some people respond to this, some people find it interesting that he is by and large without motivation uh-huh. um, except that my country is right, and I need to kill these megalomaniacal uh, psychopaths with nuclear weapons. Which that's a that's a good motivation, but, but is why there, he like, got involved? Is there a,
1: do you really, when you watch those movies, get a sense of like British patriotism? Uh, and, actually, or yes. nationalism. Uh,
0: I do a little bit. Just the idea that I feel
1: like it's not there. Now, if they, if it were, I would. That would be something something to hold on to.
0: Watch it. I think I think I've seen more of them than you have. Yeah, and um, of course, yeah. A lot of them were made in the Cold War, which of course means that uh, the bad guys always have just a vaguely, just European accent, Uh just Eastern European. Right. Um, And so there was a discussion, uh, there's not a discussion, certainly not a discussion, but there's an understanding that we need to stop these people because just listen to them. (laughs) Give them enough time and these people will try to take over the world, so we need to stop them. Uh And so I think there's some of that um, as a function of the Cold War, but you never know why... He got involved with this. You almost feel like he got involved for the gadgets and the women more than the actual nationalism. And some people find that that lack of obvious motivation to be kind of exhilarating. You don't know why he's doing this. It only matters that he's doing it. And I can understand the appeal of that. I don't like it myself. Uh-huh. But And it's one of the reasons that I, I didn't see Quantum of Solace, but I did see Casino Royale. And I think that's an interesting... Have you still see, I seen? You still it. haven't seen it. That's right. Um, it's uh, it's interesting to watch because that's the first. I believe that's the first novel um, about James Bond. Don't quote me on that, but it's it's one of the it's at the very least one of the early ones. And so that novel being made in two thousand six, where there's still the antiquated notions of masculinity, but for a modern audience. So they do try they they soften him up a little bit. And uh all of a sudden he's not James he doesn't seem like James Bond anymore. I love Casino Royale. Maybe that's why I like it so uh-huh. much is because he's not James Bond and he's more Jason Bourne.
1: Yeah, I like Jason Bourne a lot. Exactly. Uh, and he I, I get his motivation. Yeah. And he also um actually cares about the about Franco Potente in the yeah. in the first film. He he's he's not a womanizer he falls in love yeah that's that's and good I, that's a good enough reason for me but what i want to do is t- switch gears and talk about um uh you know james bond's coldness is certainly not a trait that's unique to james bond there are right. other action heroes that seem to have this uh uh laconic uh yeah. distance uh, you know emotional distance and those sometimes it works for me. I'm um, yeah. thinking here of the transporter. Okay. Um which I actually never saw the third one. Uh I've 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 heard it's it's good if you like the first two. Yeah. And I did like the first two. Um But uh, I feel like those movies, the Transporter, A in the first one, um he is given a motivation. He breaks his code, he looks at what he's transporting. Yeah. It's a human and he's you know, he's not the best person in the world. He is a criminal, but yeah. he's too good a person to just shove her back in the trunk. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Motivation. But also, those movies... Um, You know, when I say I'm not into movies that are about, about things, and I'm sure there are a million exceptions of movies about things that I do like, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean I'm only into movies that are about emotions and hum- humanity or whatever. Yeah. The Transporter movies and, like, uh, District B-13, which is also uh, produced by Luc Besson, um, those are movies, you know, it's called a movie. It's called a motion picture, you yeah. know. Those are movies about move movement and, and choreography and yeah. speed uh, and just human beings doing, like, beating people up, be- beating each other up. Yeah. And, in imaginative and very kinetic ways Mm. you know in the in the first transporter
0: have you seen it I haven't seen transporter crank I haven't seen any of these movies
1: Um, in the first transporter there's a part where they're in like this uh, garage type thing there's a bicycle the kind of bicycle where the pedals have the uh, metal things that go over the top of the foot Steps on the bicycle and kicks off both the pedals, so he's not wearing the pedals. Okay. He knocks over a huge gallon of oil, okay. so all the other guys are slip sliding around the place, and he is up on his toes on these pedals that he's kicked off the bicycle, and is able to move through the uh, through the oil and kick ass. Would that work? Uh, probably not, but it's <laughs> awesome.
0: No, it almost certainly wouldn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, it's which and that's interesting because. And I, I am in no position to say anything about any of these movies because I have not seen them. Um, I find, but I find myself wondering, does that inherently make the character more interesting because in I don't know what the deal is with crank, but I know like with the new movie The mechanic okay and with the transporter films, he's a criminal he is a, you know he in the mechanic, he's a hitman you know in the transporter he works for he's know, a the, transporter. Yeah, for the for the, mom, By the way, he knows that.
1: If we go completely just off topic for a second. When okay. I worked at uh the video store in Chicago, you know, we had a lot of porn and there were, there's always these like porn like pun titles. Yeah. But some of them were really lazy. For example, The Sex
0: Transporter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was an actual title that we had.
0: Uh for a while I worked <laughs> at a video store in uh Missouri that had that had porn and and I uh I probably only went back there like three times to stock shelves, and uh, there was one time I'll describe the cover and then I'll say the name. Okay. I, th- although you already know it. Okay. Because I told you years ago. Um, it's a woman <laughs> whose uh, breasts are exposed, but she's wearing a trench coat, a fedora, and is holding up a magnifying glass. It could not have a more vacant expression on her face. Um, I guess maybe I'm looking in the wrong direction, but. Uh, <laughs> So, she's clearly a detective. Right. The name of the film is Vaginatown. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a... I gotta say, that's a great one. Yeah. That's just the best.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of some other topics. Foreskin Gump, Mr. Holland's Orgy, Uh, uh, The Joy Fuck Club. That's one I always really liked. Um, Some of the best ones were in the gay section. Uh, A Beautiful Behind, uh, Sweet (laughs) Homo Alabama, Everybody Does Raymond, Dawson's Crack. Oh,
0: good lord. <laughs> okay. I want to go I I don't I can't believe we're talking about this. I want to go back to uh Foreskin Gump. <laughs> now, everyone's That's not a very good one actually. Everyone's got I, mean, their... I, I didn't
1: see any of these. And when I say it's not a good one, I mean it's not a good <laughs> yeah. title. I haven't seen any of these films.
0: <laughs> I, that hero, I didn't believe it for 1 minute. Um, but I just aside from being able to say it's like, "Oh, Forrest, that's like Foreskin, let's use that." It, Again, everyone, everyone has their thing. I understand. Is a foreskin an appealing thing? I don't think it is. I what? Don't, I, I don't want
1: to get into it.
0: Yeah, let's let's not. Um, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, but the sex transporter. Yeah. yeah, all right, sounds good to me. Let's ship it. Okay, so anyway, you were saying these people are criminals, and I think that's the difference between them and a James Bond. Because I mean. Right, there's
1: D- a, there's an inherent an, an inherent dramatic tension yeah. based on the fact that they usually do this thing and now they're going against it because of right whatever.
0: Whereas when James Bond does something that's against the rules, it's only it, it's in service of it's still in service of the good. He hasn't suddenly become corrupt. That'd right. be interesting, I think, if James Bond suddenly is like, you know what the hell with this. I just want money. And just, (laughs) uh, and starts working for a mega, you know, becomes a megalomaniacal person or whatever. But you know, that's not going to happen, which I think makes him inherently, not inherently uninteresting, but yeah, a little more boring than he could be. Um, Whereas criminals who are, who are willing to, who are questioning what they're doing, when they, when they do something wrong, in even in the uh, course of doing something good, it's still just like, oh, that's their natural instinct, isn't it? Just to do this. They're going against their instinct. Everything about it, everything underneath, even if it's not spoken, it just has our attention. Uh-huh. And I think that's because, and again, I've not because I haven't seen these movies, I can't speak to the dimensions or the layers of the character. But based on what I have read. It seems like Jason Statham's characters often are not multi-dimensional, right? But he's a very charismatic actor. I do know that because yeah. I've I've seen him in other things. Um, but they're they're not multi-dimensional. So in many ways, they're just as quote unquote boring as any other kind of bland action hero. But because of the charisma of the main character and just the situation of the character, we're much more invested. Yeah. So and I I I've. I've heard great things about the transporter films. They just haven't been a priority for me, but I think I would I, enjoy them.
1: Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Matthew Modine's in the second one. Weird.
0: You know, I haven't thought of Matthew Modine in I'm going to say twenty eight years. Even when I'm watching him, I don't think of him. <laughs> um, no, it's all right. I remember him being very unpleasant in Shortcuts. Right, but uh,
1: but I'm uh, I'm in my, you know still my West Wing rewatch, and I'll get to see him in in an episode when. Uh, when uh, CJ goes home for her reunion,
0: that's right. Matthew Modine, good for him. Yeah, I, I I don't know why I spoke ill of him. I do. I I enjoy him in uh, Full Metal Jacket. Sure, Private Joker. Um, now of course we can't. Okay, in the eighties. Now of course, Die Hard came about in the eighties, and I think John McClane was such a breath of fresh air because he was an alternative to what we usually saw at the time, which was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson was a little different because nothing about him seemed like he could kill a lot of people. Right. He was an everyman who just couldn't take it anymore. Still very much a product of the 80s. Uh-huh. Um, but like specifically...
1: Bernard Getz. exact yes. Yeah,
0: um, And something that is, that is echoed quite a bit in the film Harry Brown with Michael Caine, which is a much better movie than it has any right to be because it's 25 years old in spirit. You saw Harry
1: Brown with Michael Caine?
0: I, I didn't see it with him. Oh, okay. okay. Is that where you were headed?
1: I was going to ask who paid for the ticket.
0: Yeah, well, he did. <laughs> He's got Batman and Mis Congeniality money. <laughs> but, uh, so Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Now, Stallone, because, as evidenced by Rocky and... And I'd say even First Blood and Copland, we know that that uh, Stallone can be a very good actor. And so I think he will sometimes imbue his characters with a little bit of humanity. Arnold Schwarzenegger, on the other hand, is astounding to me as I, I enjoy a lot of the movies that he is a part of. We, you and I enjoy Commando. Sure, yeah. I love Predator,
1: but not in an on, like. I don't honestly think Commando is any good at all. Right, but we I do like, think Predator is very good. Yeah, Total Recall
0: uh-huh. is one. I like that one, uh, Twins. Um,
1: I don't think I've ever actually seen Twins, or if I have, I haven't seen it since I was young.
0: I'm joking. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, but, I've seen Junior. Ugh. So have I. Yeah, that was no good. No, thank you.
1: See, kindergarten, kindergarten cop, which I enjoy. That's a winner.
0: Yeah, it is kind of a winner. Yeah, and he and he displays a surprising—I uh, won't say sense of humor, an awareness of humor. He knows that there is such a thing as as funny. I don't.
1: Well, I think, think he, he also understands what's funny about him or about. I guess the situation. that's true. Yes. Like,
0: yes. Yeah, maybe he's
1: giant, and he has this weird little, this weird accent. Yeah, you know, weird to a little kid at least. Yeah. And he's surrounded by these adorable little kids.
0: Maybe that's it. Maybe it's maybe it's a thing like the transporter, where he is not inherently funny. The humor comes from the context of him being in the midst of this situation.
1: By the way, around my apartment, with my girl, me and my girlfriend, Co- Kindergarten Cop is actually a very oft quoted movie. I think be- it is with a lot of people because, because of the generation. part where he goes ha 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 ha, quiet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good for you for not saying it's not a Tuma. Right. Like everybody says that. Yeah, but. uh so, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is not the best actor. No. He's got a weird accent, but they still plug him into things. His...
1: Right, and I'll be the 10 millionth person to point out how how uh, how often they don't go to any real length to explain why he has this accent, like not, why he's Austrian. Not even a little bit. But yeah, a
0: lot of comedians have already pointed that out much funnier than I could. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but it's... But yeah, I mean, Commando this guy was part of this elite unit and part of me is like I mean he's obviously a foreigner. <laughs> I feel like they wouldn't let him I feel like they wouldn't let him go this deep into the the military intelligence community. <laughs> I, and same with Predator. It's just like what I I feel like they wouldn't take orders from this guy. I feel like they everyone would narrow their eyes at this but well, like,
1: he's an independent contractor in Predator. Oh, okay. He's a mercenary.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, So I guess just commando is what I'm talking about. Right. And then what's the... uh, And I never saw a raw deal, but I did see Red Heat, where it's him as like a communist Russia uh, police officer tracking a criminal to Chicago where he meets up with Jim Belushi, who's the no-nonsense Chicago cop, who's got a few wisecracks up his sleeve. But... uh, (laughs) And of course, no, I mean, no indication of a Russian accent at all. It's like, look, this is foreign enough. I'm close to Russian. Um, But it's, but I don't, yeah, I don't want to talk about his accent. But that's the thing. That's a big part of it is that he, everything about, I mean, his size, his sound, he's just such an anomaly. I'm I'm just fascinated that he got the career that he did.
1: Um, there's a uh, when I went to see Aliens um with J- uh James Cameron in person to mm-hmm. do a and a afterwards You went with
0: him? He went with you? Who paid? Uh
1: Cameron. Okay. But he uh, um I, you know we went out together but I barely even got to, we barely got to talk he do this Q&A afterwards. It's like even when he's not working he's working, you know. <laughs> um and uh but anyway, he told I, I don't know how it got to, it started the Q&A session got to True Lies. Oh, yeah. Which is a, a remake of a French film. And it was actually Arnold Schwarzenegger who saw the film and brought it to James Cameron and said, like... And he tells the story. He's like, "He's like Arnold said to me, I think there's a lot that I could do with this character. And James Cameron was like, at that point, I was definitely paying attention
0: because that's not the kind of thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> says. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um but it's, it's an interesting thing because, okay, someone like, in many ways, you would say that Schwarzenegger's career is similar to a Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh-huh. Foreign, not the best actor, peak physical condition, although one is much more wiry than the other. Um, but the difference is this. Van Damme clearly does all of his own stunts, and his stunts are, v- and his own fighting, and they're very impressive. And it's uh-huh. really amazing. Same with Jet Li. But uh, Schwarzenegger, I know he did a lot of his own stunts, but really, he's just big and just carries big guns. But the
1: difference is, the reason that Schwarzenegger has made more movies is that while he's not a good actor, he's got some sort of screen presence that we, yeah. you see in Kindergarten Cobb. Like, he's he's self-aware enough. yeah. Uh, to be enjoyable to watch, whereas Van Dam or Seagal, like who are doing their own stunts, it's like that's the impressive part. The parts in between are just interminable. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. now, in Van fire- Damme's like a good-looking guy or whatever, uh, you know, or yeah. when he was younger and in great shape, but he's not a great actor, and neither is Schwarzenegger. But he also he just doesn't bring. He doesn't have a lot of presence when he's not doing acrobatics
0: i'd say that's probably true um yeah and of course uh we all saw well no none of us saw i saw it in the theater uh fire down below where uh (laughs) seagal is a fascinating guy because he incorporated like a lot of politics into his thing into Uh his movies and he was just and he was
1: and his weird, like, Shintoism or whatever yeah. religion that he's into. That was very dismissive of me. No, was just, very, yeah, yeah, To just, like, pick an Eastern religion. I have no yeah. idea. I'm sorry. If you're a,
0: yeah. a it Shintoist, is, I didn't mean to. It uh, is not so. weird by virtue of itself. It is weird because Steven Seagal makes it weird. <laughs> yeah. He could be a Southern Baptist, and I'd be like, ugh. Um, not that I am, but... Uh, like right. uh, let's just all distance ourselves from this thing. <laughs> let's start. Let's call ourselves something different because uh, this guy who has about the same body type I do uh, <laughs> as an actor. Have you hero. watched
1: Steven Seagal Lawman? Uh, no, on, I any? haven't. Oh man, it's great. Is it okay? It's fascinating because uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the word I used to describe Arnold Schwarzenegger was self-aware. Mm-hmm. Steven Seagal has no self-awareness <laughs> at all. He's clearly tolerated. By mm-hmm. these people who are doing their actual jobs yeah. as cops, and he—he's convinced that he's one of them and he's part of the group, and he, they're all buddies, and it's uh, uh, it's it's really fascinating,
0: huh? I would like to, I would like to watch it. Everything about it made it seem like this is—I mean—they're not going to let him shoot anybody, are they? <laughs> right? I mean. He's got his little karate he's, chops he's and stuff.
1: He's like, like the rich kid who's really annoying, but everyone hangs out with him because he's got like the cool stuff at his house. Or okay, a pool yeah, yeah, or whatever,
0: or a trampoline or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other trampoline. thing that
1: Steven Seagal does is uh, whenever he's talking to a suspect or a witness or anything who happens to be black, yeah, he slips into this weird like oh. this, <laughs> this weird attempt at like jive speak that is so offensive. To, uh, as to be hilarious
0: oh my gosh let me ask you this i'm sorry to get off on this but although i mean seagull was an action hero yeah. and this is where he is now uh a reality star who doesn't seem to know how he is viewed <laughs> is there ever a moment where he's interrogating a perp <laughs> and then the perp just looks around and be like this is the guy from under siege what is am i actually arrested like did are, do people ever question what is going on? I think he's...
1: They keep him from doing any real police work. Okay. He's mostly, like, riding along. And then, yeah, he will talk to people afterwards, and and he's almost sort of like a PR man. But, yeah, they know he's Steven Seagal. Okay. It's, it's definitely uh, commented on.
0: I feel like it would be easier to bring people in if he's like, Hello, I'm Steven Seagal. I have a uh, search warrant. <laughs> and they're like, Shit, okay. <laughs> Come on in, buddy. Can I get an autograph? Um, but the... Uh, and I, I did want to talk briefly about... Uh, I'm not sure if... Would you consider Clint Eastwood or more specifically like uh, Harry Callahan or The Man With No Name? And that's a Western, so I guess it's a little different. But would you consider those action heroes? I
1: don't know. This is a really uh, interesting discussion and maybe worth, at some point, once we distance ourselves from this episode, an episode of its own at some point... Uh, yeah I said at some point twice mm. in that yep. sentence that's fine um, and not in two different ways like I was referring to the same thing <laughs>
0: you also said you also started with this is an interesting discussion and I just put myself in the mind of the listener and was like no it isn't <laughs> this is boring
1: no what I'm saying is that um, the idea of yeah what's an action movie and what's a thriller or what yeah. like just because something has guns doesn't make it an action movie like, yeah. you know when we were talking about uh, people like the transporter who were criminals but we Uh, Root for them because we believe in this one cause. I thought of payback.
0: Oh yeah, but I don't really know that that's an action movie. It's got guns. It's a crime movie. I don't consider it an action movie because I I think pacing is what determines an action movie. Okay. Um, I think it has
1: more to do with kineticism.
0: Yeah, that's. I guess that's another way. Yeah, that's
1: like things.
0: Yeah, moving
1: fast and
0: like if there's a car chase, I feel like that's an action movie if if somebody is following someone else in a car that's a suspense movie. Right. You know, like r- launching a rocket into somebody's car and blowing them up is an action movie. Lighting a uh, a trail of gasoline on fire until yeah. it reaches their car and blows it up that's suspense, I think. Yeah. So I think that's the difference w- between payback and, and something like. But, I, but now yeah, that
1: I, Dirty Harry Harry Callahan is definitely a, a tough one. Yeah. Cuz there's certainly like is it sudden impact is that the no with the bus?
0: I don't recall. Okay, I've only ever seen the first one.
1: Oh, okay. Well, the um, you know, it's a fucking bus. Yeah, it's huge and it moves, and so there are certainly action sequences that have to do with. I think there is a
0: bus bus. in Dirty Harry with kids on it.
1: No, yeah, no, there is. But I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking. uh, Different bus. uh, Yes, people who know (laughs) things about Dirty Harry which people who definitely know more than I do about Dirty Harry because I yeah. know very little, know what I'm talking about when I say the one the one with the bus. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it's Sudden Impact. Okay. And I don't know if the whole thing takes place with the bus. But okay. There's a big bus thing at the end, and I think there's like, they put up some sort of armor on the bus. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of a movie that has Clint Eastwood in it and isn't even a Dirty Harry movie. I think um. you're
0: thinking of Million Dollar Baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, yeah.
0: It's like a training thing. It's like, all right, you're going to put armor on this bus, and then we're <laughs> going to <then> fight it.
1: <laughs> oh, Forty-five
0: God. minutes of her punching a bus. <laughs> they were wise to cut it out.
1: Um. Yeah. So I don't know if Dirty Harry is an action star. I f- start a thread on the forum. Yeah, I think I, dirty, I think uh, I poll. will. Is Dirty Harry an action star? I feel or an action like hero.
0: Having only seen the first one, I feel like he is because the action sequences, though we all know, of course, about the, you know, do I feel lucky, but that comes after, like, a gunfight, uh-huh. um, which I think is, there's a, as you say, a kineticism to to a gunfight. But not um, necessarily. Like, there are... Depending on the kind of gunfight. Yeah, I there, think, are, there are
1: shootouts that are not actiony, Right. But then there's, like, uh, a movie you and I saw together uh, with... Um, we went with Wesley Snipes to see the Art of War. Ah yes. And there's and we've talked about this sequence on the show before. Yeah. The gunfight in the hallway between him and Michael Bean where there's nothing for them to hide behind. They're just yeah. running back and forth and tumbling and yeah. uh trying to get out of the way of bullets while emptying a clip at each other
0: across the hallway. That's a great sequence. It really is awesome. Because it's Yeah, because it's uh it's a new twist, which is there are no car doors, you can crouch behind it's (laughs) just nothing yeah it's who can move the fastest basically and uh, bullets move faster than everyone yeah but uh i would i would be inclined to say that harry callahan is an action hero but i get and i and i would i'd be inclined to say that the film is an action movie um all right dirty harry at least i don't of course i haven't seen the the other ones but uh and as as such, he's somebody that he's an interesting product of his time. And as I said, you find it with Charles Bronson, you find it now with uh Liam Neeson, who's kind of stepping into that role with Taken, and then he's in another one and eighteen yeah. He's he's I mean, he you know, he's not a stranger to action. I mean, he was involved in an action sequence in Gangs of New York. He was in Batman Begins. He oh, was e- right. he was even in you know Rob Roy and Star Wars. Like he's not necessarily a stranger to action, but I never thought of him as an action star. But he's becoming that. And and there's you know suspense in there as well. But I've not seen Taken, but from what I hear, it is just just the bloodiest thing you've ever seen. Maybe right. not actual. And it's blood. also
1: part of that whole. Uh, I mean, I talk with transporter and distribute 13 it's the it's french productions and that yeah french hyperkinetic french take on action which is
0: uh yeah which i'm not sure if i would respond to although um i did we talked briefly about jet lee i did really enjoy unleashed which i didn't see but yeah that's yeah
1: french as well
0: and it's and that's a that's a different kind of i don't know those those types of action heroes who are just very just in, I guess they I guess all action heroes are capable. They're all very capable. Some of them are very human, like John McClane. Some of them are, I guess, just an idea, like uh, James Bond and right. and Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Okay, speaking of uh, James Bond, there's okay. one last thing I want to get to before okay. we wrap this up, and I want to ta- I want to talk about Ethan Hunt. Uh, oh, okay. And why he does work for me. Okay. Uh, and James Bond doesn't. Because Ethan Hunt is essentially the American James Bond, right? Um,
0: yes. I think so. I'd be more inclined to say that Indiana Jones is. The American James Bond? Yes. But that. I, I, With w- uh, the implication, I say that because, of course, there are certain ideas of what an American is as opposed to what a Brit is. And, of course, British people are, can be very—the idea, not necessarily that they are all like this, but they're sleek and unflappable. Americans are just rough and tumble, and they're going to make it work.
1: I guess I see that, but I, I think this the fetish, fetishization fetishization yeah. of uh, the 30s and 40s yeah, yeah. in the Indiana Jones thing is uh, almost antithetical to the James Bond thing, which That's is true. about— Nowness, yeah yeah and being on the cutting edge and that's what that's why i say ethan hunt because he's you know he's a a spy like james bond is he uses gadgets um advanced technology the way james bond
0: does yeah um seems to o- operate largely outside the system even though he's still a part of it
1: right so yeah i guess i'm <clears throat> trying to figure out why he works for me and why i mean i think the reason mission impossible 2 doesn't work for me mm. is because it's it. It falls into more of the James Bond things. He's, it's just his awesomeness is the reason we're supposed to be watching it.
0: Well, I think I think the reason it, it works, and I'm not a huge fan of the first or second Mission Impossible I like films. Um the first one. Um, <clears throat> when's the last time you watched it?
1: Yeah, I watched it not that long ago.
0: Okay, and it, I didn't like it as much as I used to, but I okay. still I still like it. I watched it maybe a year ago, and it's like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be, but. Uh, but i think i think it's it's a function like we said of motivation we never know what motivates james bond we do know we don't necessarily know what motivated ethan hunt to get involved in this team but in the first film we are given motivation for the rest for every other film after that we we get stuff that factors into his decisions betrayal mm-hmm. by his his boss yeah and everyone else and fe- and the and, idea and, of
1: you know avenging the deaths of his entire team exactly
0: and and feeling like he needs to operate outside the system because the system doesn't seem to totally get it right um
1: and then the third one sets up very i mean it's not the most original idea in the world that he's retired right and, and then he gets dragged back in yeah because of his emotional connection to someone he trained. Yeah. Uh it's still yeah, th- those simple things just work for me. Yeah. And, and I, I mean we I I feel like we spent a lot of time defending Tom Cruise against imagined uh
0: <laughs> I don't think it's imagined personally. I uh, mean a lot of people a lot of people do not like him and and would not uh won't give him really any credit.
1: Well, I don't, I don't get that, because I think he's actually a legitimately very good actor yeah. in things like uh, Magnolia, even though I don't care for the movie overall, but yeah. uh, and Jerry Maguire and stuff, but he's also just, even more so than Arnold Schwarzenegger,
0: he's just fun to watch. He is, he is very magnetic, and what I'll say is that he's, and and I know. I, I know I've said this before, but he will always do what the part requires. If the part is in Magnolia, he'll do what it requires. If the part is War of the Worlds or Night and Day or Mission Impossible, he'll always do exactly what that part needs. He won't do less. He won't wink at you to say, I'm still Tom Cruise. Right. Um, he'll do. He'll be Ethan Hunt. And even though Ethan Hunt doesn't seem that different from, you know, uh, any like another action hero, he puts his individual stamp on it by because he, he also has a good sense of humor, and yeah. And I also I
1: think the reason I like him so much in Mission Impossible 3, which is hands mm-hmm. down the best, no question. Um, like towards the beginning, I think there's something about Ethan Hunt that James Bond doesn't have. Whereas Ethan Hunt is so cool, okay, and so sure that he's cool that he doesn't have to waste any time. Trying to look cool, and in the in the dinner party or the like, I can't remember. It was an engagement party, an anniversary mm-hmm. party. At the beginning of the film, he he walks around being a complete dork, <laughs> like yeah. like Greg, Greg Grunberg like makes fun of him behind his back <laughs> for being boring at one point, point. and he, he has no vanity. And I think that's why I like uh, like Ethan Hunt. Yeah, he And maybe uh, that's more of a quote unquote American thing that uh, the this idea that this sort of rugged. Idea like getting yeah. dressed up is for uh, I don't know, sissies. <laughs> yeah, sissies that are or stuck up people. Yeah,
0: and I think maybe Which that's.
1: the not saying I agree with, but I think it is.
0: A, I guess a, I'd a, say a more that.
1: common American point of view.
0: And I think that's actually, I think they brought. I I'd say Casino Royale is an incredibly American James Bond. Oh, okay. They lay. They put other layers in. He he actually starts to care about a woman. Uh, he. Doesn't seem to stuff like. Uh, but does I, she? Hmm? Spoilers, I guess. I haven't seen. It's four years old. It's fine. Does she die at the end. She does die at the end, and it turns out that she, but, uh, she, betrays him, but for reasons that you know yeah, we so, can all be on board with. But she so they give him, him in,
1: like a woman to love in one movie, but it doesn't.
0: Right, the idea being he's, that he's still open to
1: finding another woman in the next movie because that's what you have to do. You have to have a bond girl every time, and that's right. That's part of the thing that annoys me, and the thing with Jason Bourne. Franco Potenta is in the first one and the beginning of the second one, mm-hmm. but she's there for him the whole time. Yeah. Like, she's a big part of his motivation.
0: Yeah. She's... The absence of her in the third is felt. It's very right. palpable. Um, but the... Uh, ah, shoot. Was. Oh, yeah. But also, uh, there's a there's a moment that's actually... It's a, a nice little winking moment in Casino Royale where he orders uh, a vodka martini, and the, guy said, the bartender says, shaken or stirred, and he goes... Do I look like I give a damn like it's a nice moment, and that's a very American idea of just like I'm not too particular, I'm joking, I'm sort of joking because I'm the most particular person I know right, but it injects, and also when the when the time comes to play poker, it's like Texas hold 'em it's like <laughs> you're in like Monte Carlo, I think or or yeah. something yeah, but uh. So um, I think they injected a lot of American ideas into it. And, sh- and admittedly, as an American, it was by far the most satisfying James Bond film I've seen.
1: Um, I think one of the most endearing things about President Bartlett on the West Wing is his little James Don- James Bond takedown. Where mm. He talks about uh, the reason you stir a martini as opposed to shaking it is so as not to chip the glass which w- or chip the ice, which would cause it to melt faster and water down your drink. James Bond is ordering
0: a weak martini and trying to be cool about it. <laughs> Um, but, all, but, uh, to get back to, uh, to Ethan Hunt is I have, a, okay. If you say Ethan Hunt, mission impossible, I have an image in my head that pops up immediately, which is him whipping off a mask uh-huh. and then just, and then like, uh, you know, he disguised some, he disguised himself to get information or get, you know, something off of somebody or whatever. He's got it. He goes into a back room, whips off the mask, and then keeps going. And that, to me, is, is that's how I imagine Ethan Hunt and Jason Bourne and Indiana Jones and John McClane and very American action heroes is they just keep going. They don't care how they look. They mm-hmm. don't care how they come across. They they don't they, care, just, they don't
1: necessarily care about getting the girl, which is why they do get the girl.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's why that's why we're just so damn awesome. Yeah. Um. I mean, how much time does
1: uh, if if any at all does uh, Indiana Jones actually spend wooing Marion Ravenwood? Oh, none. I mean, it's,
0: uh, the And they had a they had a past as well. Yeah, so. but uh,
1: uh, the the romance is all way way under the under the surface.
0: Yeah, there is there is one moment in Temple of Doom where Indiana Jones and uh gosh, yeah. and Kate Capshaw I don't remember the name Willie Willie uh, something. Okay, that's she. Uh, there is there is one scene that, in which they're going back and forth to each other's bedrooms, but that I think is more a function of a throwback to a to like screwball comedy. Yeah. Than well, the actual about thing. The,
1: are you one of these revisionists who's going to try and tell me that Temple of Doom is the best Indiana Jones movie?
0: No, the first one's the best one.
1: And Temple of Doom is just
0: dumb and ridiculous and generally not very good, right? Temple of Doom I like more than Last Crusade, because with Last Crusade you get okay. I know I know exactly what you're. <laughs> And I, I kind of agree with you. I hate to put it this way because I love Spielberg, and I like what he turned into as a filmmaker. But, the, I mean, you look at Jaws, Close Encounters, uh, Indiana Jones, and Temple of Doom. You look at those, those big movies, and, of course, he he did smaller ones at the time as well. And then you look at Last Crusade and Hook and, you know, Schindler's List, not even Schindler's List, but like uh, AI... He started becoming really interested in certain themes, and that, and I like those themes—themes themes of fatherhood and that sort of thing. But that's, and so in Last Crusade, you get, you suddenly start to get motivation for Indiana Jones with his dad showing up, and and it's fun to watch Sean Connery and Harrison Ford play off each other. But it's like that's, that's not what Indiana Jones is. Indiana Jones is or that's that's not what those the movies that they were trying to be a throwback to that's not what they were they were they were witty but they were also in many ways just dumb action movies and i feel like oddly enough i feel like temple of doom might be the most faithful to what those were right down to having the the screaming damsel in, damsel in distress yeah. the goofy sidekick solo was a goofy sidekick in the first one but, you know, short round, and then, like, the the crazy, exotic, partially racist bad guys. Yeah. Um, and I feel like stuff like that was... I, I like Temple of Doom because I I feel like it's more pure and faithful to the concept they were going for. But than I think Last apart Crusade. from
1: the shootout in the, uh, at the club at the beginning, which is awesome, yeah. Temple of Doom, I think both Raiders and Last Crusade are just better action films. I don't know, man.
0: That's got, it's got that mind sequence... In the mining car that's yeah, like a roller coaster. It's ridiculous. It that's is part ridiculous. Part of what I'm
1: pointing to, like, that's not a good action sequence. It's just dumb.
0: I, I saw Temple of Doom on the big screen uh, back in May, and that sequence was by far uh, the most. Well, there's a lot of stuff. In, I mean, there's no question in my mind that Raiders is the best of the bunch, right. and there's a lot of great action sequences in it, and it can't be topped. But, um, but that mining sequence was really breathless uh, when I saw it on the big screen. And I just remember, like, even as a kid, being like, "Come on." <laughs> well, there is there is that realization of like, I don't think they'd build a mine so close to. I don't think they'd build these tracks so close to lava. Because <laughs> right. how about this? Even if even if it tips over, all the diamonds are gone because they're in lava. You can't retrieve them. Right. So there is that. But it's putting Indiana Jones and the nature of what those movies are is putting aside logic in favor of this. You know, in favor of the ridiculous funness to it um but that's that but again that's my as far as best filmmaking in every respect the first one i think is still the best and then the third one and then temple of doom and then i won't even talk about kingdom of the crystal skull but cuz it just feels like it belongs to a completely other franchise
1: but, but there's a the difference between the sort of uh stretching of believability like him Hanging on, crawling underneath the, tr- the moving truck in the first one, yeah, and the just plain ridiculousness of like, okay, in 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 Die Hard, he, you know, wraps the hose around himself, jumps off the side of the building, <laughs> yeah, and then like like okay, that really couldn't happen, but I don't think any actual laws of physics, or 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 not even laws of physics, but uh, there's there, there's no real impossibility, yeah, or, or there's there's no uh okay, it's not contrived, is what I'm saying. Okay. It's impossible. But the thing is the Temple of Dome Temple of Dome the Temple of Doom uh Temple of Thunder uh, <laughs> The Temple of Doom, um and I'm having a hard time making my point here. The Temple of Doom uh uh railway thing yeah. what a-
0: the fuck is the, the world mi- mine car the mine car thing jesus <laughs> the Christ. temple of doom ra- railway i gotta tell you i don't think i'm gonna get a pass for that a <laughs> monthly pass I, I feel like i feel like bad things will happen if i ride that railway
1: um but even before the fact that it's contrived that like you said why would they build this cart here? right why would it have all these like Ups and downs, and like, why would the car yeah. be? Why why would the track be so crazy? There's Someone's no kind of reason cart. for that, you yeah. know. Whereas John McClane, yes, there's a reason there'd be a, a hose on the roof, right? Uh, it probably wouldn't work out quite that, quite the way it, it did, but it's well, working. It's it's. I guess there's just a limit to how far you can stretch the uh, suspension of disbelief.
0: And what's especially interesting, if you watch special features on uh, the Indiana Jones films, that mind sequence was in the first film, and they cut it out for time. Huh. or i mean they didn't film it but they so realized the we need to cut this out for because it just it didn't fit where they were going to put it right. and so i think it's i find it interesting that like it was there were actually a couple sequences in the second film that they wanted for the first including i think falling off the cliff in the raft landing in the water and uh and then now they're in the now they're on you know raging rapids and such
1: yeah uh, but i um that's not a good way to make a movie with scraps from the previous one.
0: No, I understand that, but, uh, well, and that's...
1: Like, even if they they weren't... They didn't, they didn't cut those out. They're not saying they cut them out because they weren't good enough, but just because they didn't fit. Right. But even so,
0: that's not a good way... That's not a good basis for building a second movie. No, I know that. And although I feel like because... It's not like they suddenly find themselves in a mine uh, in the second film. It makes, like... The mining right. is put in a good context, right. and that's and to me that's that's why the why it wouldn't have fit in the first one. It's like is there? I mean, I, I guess there's digging, but I don't recall there being like a deep mine. I guess they could have worked it in anyway. But it's uh, I don't know that that sequence is fun, and there's a lot of I don't know. I like the second one a whole lot. Not to mention when I saw, I like to say this because it's awesome. Um, when I saw Temple of Doom at the uh, I think it was at the Arrow, or it might have been at the New Art. I don't recall. But uh, they do it every year. And uh, when I saw Temple of Doom, there's a moment when... And it's a nice here. It's, it's the, like the perfect hero shot. And it's one that is featured on a lot of the posters for Temple of Doom. Which is uh, Indiana Jones. His friends are safe. He's got the three stones. He's pre- and he's still in the temple, but he can leave. He's mm-hmm. pretty much home free. But he has this moment when he like he looks back at the mine where the kids are and where where they're all being whipped and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing, and he uh, he has this you know moment because for him it's all about fortune and glory and all that sort of right. thing, and then he decides it's, it's she says we're going he goes that's right all of us you know it's a nice little moment, and then it cuts to a sequence where it shows one of the bad guys like whipping this kid and then he like looks behind him and you see. Indiana Jones standing there, whip in hand, standing in the doorway, uh-huh. backlit, and just like having this look, kind of what can only be described as a Bruce Lee, I'm about to kill everyone in the <laughs> room look. And that shot elicited applause. Uh-huh. He didn't do anything. He didn't say anything. He's just standing there in what is the perfect hero shot. And it was just a night. Nice, it was such a, such a perfect moment and uh, and it's moments like that that i that make me really like uh Temple of Doom the whole sequence with Indian short round in the spike room and and Willie has to walk through all the bugs and she has to reach in and the the realization that that there's actual bugs on her like that whole and then she goes in <laughs> and hits the and hits the button that causes it all to happen again there's just a lot of great stuff in that film i guess I always found Kate Capshaw
1: and Short Round annoying.
0: You found Short Round annoying? Yeah. All right, this episode's over. Okay. I mean, we've been going for one twenty anyway. But I mean, come on. How do you not find him annoying? Short Round. Okay, Willie. By all means, she's annoying. There's but no question. the
1: idea of putting him with a kid is annoying. Any kid is annoying in that. I don't want to. I don't want to see
0: him have to look after a kid. While he's trying to... uh, But he's not looking after the kid. The kid is remarkably capable and helps him out a great deal.
1: Yeah, that's likely.
0: None of it's likely.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? All right, you can find us at BattleshipRetention or on iTunes. You can email us David at BattleshipRetention or Tyler at BattleshipRetention dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter slash the pretension and you can follow Tyler on on, on Twitter at twitter slash more lessons, which is the official Twitter of his, uh, his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at More One Lesson dot com or in iTunes. And you can listen to my other podcast, the Weekly Television Re- Review Podcast, previously on it, com or in iTunes. Uh,
0: and then a real quick note. Uh, we were recently on the Paul Goble Show. That's right. Two weeks in a row. Yeah. It was uh, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And so uh, episodes 224 and 225, uh, we discuss uh, the worst of 2010 and the best of 2010, respectively. And uh, Mostly television. Mostly television. Yeah. But, but we we've I, branched out a little bit. Yeah. And it's uh, it's always a lot of fun to go on the the Goel show and a uh, lot of laughs. So go and listen to us over there. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Don't forget to donate. Indeed. Bye. <laughs>